Blog Talk Radio. Understand the book of Revelation from start to finish. This is Nicole, your book of Revelation research scientist. I am studying the book of Revelation. It is my assignment, my assignment in the kingdom of God. We're talking about today one of the 12 statements of prophecy. We could say that another another way, one of the 12 visions John the Revelator was shown when he was called up to heaven. We could say it another way, one of the 12 documentaries about the end times John the Revelator was shown by the angel of the Lord. We're focused on the seven final plagues. Revelation chapters 15 and 16 include the seven plagues prophecy. This is The written report, in other words, this is everything that John wrote down about what he saw and heard as he was watching the Seven Plagues documentary in heaven. In Revelation chapter 1, we have a preface for the book of Revelation, chapters Uh, Chapter 1, verses 1 to 8, and we learn that the book of Revelation, its contents begin with God. God shared the revelation with his son, Jesus Christ. God manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ then assigned an angel of the Lord to show the revelation to John the Revelator. Then, in the second half of chapter 1, we have an introduction to the book of Revelation. John the Revelator tells us about the beginning of his experience with the book of Revelation. So that begins with verse 9 of chapter 1, and he tells us that he was on the island of Patmos. He had been uh, exiled to this island because he had been giving testimony about Jesus Christ, when all of a sudden he hears a voice, and then he actually has a supernatural experience where Jesus Christ visits him on the island of Patmos. He describes uh, what he looks like. He tells us uh, what Jesus said to him. And importantly, he received an instruction, and that instruction was for him to write down two things, things that are happening and the things to come. So in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, he writes down the things that are happening with the church at that time. In other words, on the date that he was on this present earth when he received information, specifically Jesus shared words of praise, words of criticism, and words of promise for each of the seven churches. Imagine you had seven kids and you wanted to tell each of your kids, here's what you're doing right, here's what you're doing wrong, and here's what you're going to inherit. Essentially, that's what we have with the seven letters to the seven churches, Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Now, remember, John had the instruction, write down everything that is happening and the things to come. So, in Revelation chapter 4, John tells us that before the angel of the Lord showed him the things to come, and that's the bulk of the book of Revelation, the things to come, the documentaries about the end time, uh, end times and end time events that John the Revelator was shown, before he's shown these documentaries, he has to go to where the documentaries are going to be shown to him. So in other words, on May 24th of this year, 
I am going to watch a movie. Now, it won't be a documentary. I'm going to watch Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. In order to watch it, I have to go to where it's being shown. Now, where were the documentaries about end-time events, the quote-unquote revelation, where were these documentaries being shown? They weren't being shown on this present earth. They were being shown in heaven. And in Revelation chapter 4, John the Revelator tells us that he sees an open door in heaven. He's called up to heaven by Jesus Christ, and he is supernaturally transported to present heaven. In Revelation chapter 4, we have a report on physical heaven. Uh, He tells us what he saw, who he saw. He even describes the outfits of the individuals uh, that he perceives, and he tells us about the actions that he sees. Now, as far as we can tell from his report, he was not on a tour of heaven. He went to heaven specifically so that he could view documentaries about the things to come, what things to come in time events. So in Revelation chapter 4, he tells us he's in a room where God the Father is sitting on a throne. He describes the appearance of God the Father. He describes the appearance of four elders, uh, 24 elders, excuse me, 24 elders. He describes the appearance of Uh, four additional living creatures, as well as their activities, which include worshiping God, uh, which includes singing. Revelation chapter 5, 6, 7, 8. Let's keep going all the way to chapter 22, verse 5 of 22. All of these chapters, again, Revelation chapters 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and the first five verses of 22. These are the reports, the prophecies, if you will, about the end times. Now, John wasn't given some reports. He watched. He watched documentaries that were shown to him. You might say, research scientists, what are, you, what are you talking about? The angel of the Lord was tasked with showing John visions external to the angel and external to John. In other words, these were moving pictures with sound. In today's vernacular, we would refer to them as movies, except it's not like Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes or uh, Rocky or Oppenheimer or a, a, a fictionalized Uh, account of something or a story, the movies John the Revelator was shown by the angel of the Lord who was tasked with this assignment by Jesus Christ, the movies John the Revelator was shown are accurate and true. And so we refer to movies that reflect realities as documentaries. So in that way, my perception is that it is correct to refer to the visions John the Revelator was shown as documentaries. These documentaries were shown to him back to back to back to back to back, one after the other, no breaks, and then at the end, In the conclusion of the book of Revelation, which begins with verse 6 of chapter 22, until the end, the angel, after he has shown him 12 documentaries by my analysis, he says to him, so imagine you've just been shown in heaven 12 documentaries about the events leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ and uh, including three documentaries about the events after Jesus fights and wins the Battle of Armageddon. This is the first thing that the angel says to uh, John the Revelator after he's shown him all these documentaries. Revelation chapter 22, verse 6. This is the first verse of the conclusion. The angel says, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. 
Now, again, what did John the Revelator hear and see? He heard he heard the sounds that accompany the documentary. So he's watching events and he hears the sound. So he's watching a movie, a movie which happens to be a documentary. The first one he watches uh, is the Seven Seals documentary. Then he watches the Seven Trumpets documentary. Then the 1,260 Days documentary. Then he watches the 666 Antichrist documentary. Then he watches the 144,000 First Fruits documentary. That's followed by the Earth Reaped documentary. Then the Seven Plagues documentary. That's the one we're going to talk about today, the Seven Plagues documentary. By the way, he's shown uh, two more uh, in the first nine, the Purple and Scarlet documentary and then the Marriage Supper documentary. So these documentaries are all about the events leading up, uh, immediately preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ. And then the final three documentaries he was shown are about what happens after Jesus Christ has fought and won the Battle of Armageddon after uh, his second coming. So documentary number 10 is the Millennial Reign documentary, documentary number 11, the Dead Judge documentary, and then finally the New Earth documentary. So as I was getting ready for today's program, I felt led to focus on three of the seven final plagues. So the seven plagues documentary, that's the uh, the seven plagues documentary, that's the, uh, interestingly, that's the seventh documentary he was shown. I just noticed that for the first time. <laughs> I just noticed that for the first time. So uh, the seventh documentary he was shown is the seven plagues documentary, and it is recorded in Revelation chapters 15 and 16. Now, the first of the four plagues are the four final plagues, and they focus on what is the experience of those who are team Satan on this earth after the first resurrection has happened. So uh, what happens to them physically? What happens to the water, the fresh water and the seawater that uh, is used by humans on the earth? The, the final three plagues, so plague number five, plague number six, and plague number seven, those focus on what happens to leadership of Team Satan on this present earth after the first resurrection. So let's go there. Revelation chapter 15. Revelation chapter 15. Let's hear first plague number five. Then we'll go to plague number six and plague number seven. By the way, uh, just for completion, let me say what plagues one, two, three, and four are. The first of the seven final plagues, the seven last plagues, a malignant sore, in other words, a cancerous sore, appears on the bodies of every person who has the mark of the beast. The second final plague is... The turning of the sea, the turning of the water in the sea such that it is like blood. It doesn't say that it is blood, but it's like blood. The third final plague is the turning of the fresh water, so the rivers and the springs such that that water is like blood. The fourth of the seven last plagues is when the sun becomes so hot that it literally scorches the physical bodies of everyone on the earth. By the way, I've said it many times before, uh, but in case you're a first-time listener or uh, it doesn't come to memory, this is the part 
of the seven plagues prophecy that causes me to be persuaded that no person whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be here on this present earth during the seven final plagues because it says that everyone, everyone, and there's no, no, there are no exceptions noted. Sometimes in the book of Revelation it says everyone and then except those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But for the fourth and final plague it says that everyone was scorched by the heat, the fire of the sun. So the sun becomes so hot that it scorches the physical person of every person on this earth. Those would be um, everyone who is Team Jesus. Now, let's go to our focus for today. Plagues number five, six, and seven. What happens for leadership for Team Satan on this present earth? Now, you might remember that there's an unholy trinity. Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. In the book of Revelation, all three of these individuals are referred to as the beast. Let me give you a few examples. At the beginning of Revelation chapter 13, the Antichrist is referred to as the beast. And in the purple and scarlet prophecy, Revelation chapters 17 and 18, as well as the first five verses of chapter 19, the Antichrist is referred to as the scarlet beast. Satan, also referred to as the beast. For example, in the purple and scarlet prophecy, Satan is referred to as the beast that comes out of the bottomless pit. And in Revelation chapter 13, at the end, uh, well, in the middle towards the end of Revelation chapter 13, we hear about, quote, unquote, another beast. And that's talking about the false prophet, another beast who looks like a lamb but speaks with the voice of the dragon. In other words, he appears to be uh, a messianic figure. He appears to be a man of God, like Jesus Christ, uh, God manifests in the flesh. But in fact, he speaks the words of Satan. And so the false prophet is referred to as another beast in Revelation chapter 13. Earlier in the chapter, Satan was referred to, excuse me, earlier in the chapter, the Antichrist was referred to as the beast. Then later in the chapter, there's uh, talk of, quote, unquote, another beast talking about the false prophet. So what's the point here? In the book of Revelation, the beast, depending on uh, what's being discussed, it may refer to the Antichrist, it might refer to Satan, or it could refer to the false prophet. So you always need to look to see uh, what's being discussed. Now, in the unholy trinity, Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, Satan is the lead of it. Now, we'll see over time Satan's leadership is destroyed. So during... The Great Tribulation, we have Satan, the Antichrist, and the False Prophet all working, all alive. But at the Battle of Armageddon, the Antichrist and the False Prophet are destroyed. So they experience not only the first death, which is they lose their their lives, their earth suit gives out. The tent that houses their spirit and soul is destroyed. That's the first death, uh, experiencing 
death due to mortality. But they also experience the second death. So the first death is not destruction because every person, with the exception of the Antichrist and the false prophet, will be resurrected either in the first resurrection described in the Earth Reap Prophecy, Revelation chapter 14, or in another resurrection described, uh, referred to in Revelation 20, verses 1 to 10, and the reality of it is noted in Revelation 20, verses 11 to 15, in the dead judged prophecy. So we're going to look at what happens with plagues number 5, 6, and 7 to leadership of Satan when the seven plagues are released. So let's go there now. Revelation Chapter 16, let's begin with plague number 5, and it says, Revelation 16, verse 10, Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. So I talked about how the beast in the book of Revelation it might refer to the Antichrist or Satan or the false prophet. Here, it's talking about the Antichrist. The Antichrist. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. So this is referring to the reality that the Antichrist will be the leader of the one world government the new world order that dominates political and economic affairs during the wrath of Satan. That's the Great Tribulation, which will last for exactly 42 months. Uh, after the Great Tribulation has ended, after the first resurrection has happened, now the wrath of God has begun. And it's the fifth plague. So the first four plagues have been poured out on the earth the fifth angel pours out his bowl, which contains the fifth of the seven last plagues. And what what is the consequence of it? So it is designed to do what? To cause a blackout on this present earth, a blackout where? Where the Antichrist has his throne. So where is the throne, if you will, where is the throne, if you will, of the President of the United States, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C.? 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue northwest of Washington, D.C., that's where the President of the United States has his throne. Where is the throne of the Prime Minister of Japan or the throne of we can keep going on like this? So there is a physical location which will house the Antichrist, and that location will experience a blackout. It says, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. So this is a literal darkness. Now you might say, no, research scientists, I think it's metaphorical. They're already in darkness. Anyone who is team Satan is in darkness. So it can't be saying they're plunged into darkness because they're already in darkness by virtue of having the beast's DNA and being aligned with the plans and purposes of Satan. So plunged into darkness refers to a transition from uh, experiencing uh, light in this natural, physical world to the absence of it. Then it says in verse 10, continuing, his subjects ground their teeth in anguish. Who were his subjects? All who have taken the mark of the beast. It says his subjects ground their teeth in anguish, and they cursed the God of heaven for their pains and sores. Now, why did they curse God if the Antichrist has declared that he's God? So remember, during the Great Tribulation, the Antichrist will declare that he is God. But after the Great Tribulation ends, Jesus Christ returns, and everyone on this earth 
is going to see what's described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Jesus is going to come with the clouds, bringing back all of the believers who have died with him. Their incorruptible bodies are going to rise from the earth. How is that going to happen? Supernaturally, their DNA is going to be reconstituted, but instead of it being DNA that has errors in it, it will be DNA that is perfected, perfect DNA. Their bodies will be reconstituted, and they are going to put on those bodies. So when a person dies, the soul, the soul is liberated from the body temporarily. When an individual returns with Jesus Christ, the individual is restored to his or her body. But it's not the same body. It's the best version of the body that has ever existed. It's the version where the brain is perfect, vision is perfect, eyesight is perfect, the back is perfect, the feet are perfect, the hands are perfect. Let's say you were born in one leg shorter than the other, or you were born missing uh, a limb, or, or you were born and you have some kind of horrible genetic disorder or this or that issue. Praise God, we hope that science can resolve our physical and psychological illnesses in this lifetime. But if they can't, if they can't, that's not a reason to be in despair because this lifetime, in other words, the experience of life before the second of Jesus Christ is a very small percentage of the time that every person will experience in eternity future and immediately at the second coming of jesus christ all who are in christ so those of us who are here at the time of the second coming and those who are returning with jesus at the time of the second coming we will put on our incorruptible bodies now let's go back to what we're talking about here this fifth and final plague why in the world do the subjects of the antichrist curse the God of heaven. It says, his subjects, talking about uh, those who have taken the mark of the beast, his subjects ground their teeth in anguish and they cursed the God of heaven for their pains and sores. But they did not repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. Now, what are these pains and sores? Remember, plague number one is when they're plagued with cancerous sores on their body. So those cancerous sores didn't go away. They are persisting. So, again, the question for us to consider is, why are people who have said that they believe that the Antichrist is God, why are they cursing the God of heaven? They're cursing the God of heaven because they have seen, they have seen the return of Jesus Christ, and they know that all who are Team Jesus, have ascended in peak performance bodies that don't have pains and sores, and they are not among them. Let's continue. Verse 12. Then the sixth angel, verse 12 of chapter 16, then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River, and it dried up so that the kings from the east could march their armies toward the west, without hindrance. Now let's talk about this. Why do the kings of the east need to traverse the Euphrates River and march their armies toward the west? Let's revisit the timeline. The Great Tribulation, the wrath of Satan, I'm saying the same thing there. So the Great Tribulation is the wrath of Satan, is targeted towards those who are team Jesus. It lasts 42 months. Immediately after the Great Tribulation is the first resurrection, as described in Revelation 14 and the Earth Reap Prophecy. After the Earth Reap Prophecy, 
after the first resurrection, there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more trials or tribulations for those who are team Jesus. We are victorious. We are we have triumphed. Once we participate in the first resurrection, we are with Jesus Christ in the flesh forever and ever. We're in our perfect bodies. We can no longer die. We are experiencing eternal life. You might say, well, people in heaven are experiencing eternal life. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. They are awaiting the second coming. Now, why are they awaiting the second coming? So they can put on their perfected, glorified, incorruptible bodies, just like we are waiting for the second coming for the same reason, for the same reason. That will be uh, a wonderful day. Now, here we are in Revelation chapter 16. The wrath of Satan has come to an end. The first resurrection has happened. The people of God... The people of God are awaiting the Battle of Armageddon, but it hasn't happened yet. Before the Battle of Armageddon, these seven final plagues have to be released to punish the people on the earth and to prepare for the Battle of Armageddon. So here, the sixth plague is to prepare for the Battle of Armageddon. So Jesus Christ has already restored his people. Now he's punishing Satan's people. And he's getting the leadership of Satan in position so that he can fight opponents. The Euphrates River is located in such a position so that when it is crossed by the armies led by the Antichrist, it will allow them to arrive at the location designated for the war to end all wars, the Battle of Armageddon. So let's hear this. Verse 12 says, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the Euphrates River, and it dried up so that the kings from the east could march their armies toward the west. Without hindrance. And I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs leap from the mouths of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. They are demonic spirits who work miracles and go out to all the rulers of the world, gather them for battle against the Lord on that great judgment day of God, the Almighty. So this is telling us demonic spirits. are gathering the rulers of the world so that they will be in agreement with the Antichrist about invading Jerusalem for the purpose of destroying the Jewish people in Israel, another holocaust. So this is clearly inspired by Satan. Let's continue. Verse 15, Jesus says, Look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Blessed are all who are watching for me, who keep their clothing ready, so they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. And the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. So when the sixth and final plague is poured out, it accomplishes its purposes because the armies led by the Antichrist, the kings of the east, they will come to the exact location where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be fought. So let's talk a little bit about that. 
The Battle of Armageddon is described in the book of Revelation in several places. It's mentioned briefly at the end of the earth reap prophecy, the end of Revelation chapter 14. It says, And the blood flowed uh, for 180 miles and as high as a horse's bridle. It's about five feet tall. That's talking about what happens at the end of the Battle of Armageddon. And the Battle of Armageddon is mentioned uh, again here. So that's in uh, the Earth Reap Prophecy, the sixth documentary. This is the seventh documentary. It's mentioned again in the seven uh, plagues documentary. We're hearing it, hearing about it here with plague number six. The Battle of Armageddon itself is described in greatest detail in its own documentary in the book of Revelation. That's the Marriage Supper documentary, the Marriage Supper Prophecy, Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 21. Now, let's revisit again the timeline so we can get this in our minds, you might say, research scientists, you keep saying the same thing over and over again. The learning experts tell us that we need to hear something seven times in order to have it in our long-term memory in such a way that we can retrieve that information at will, in other words, on demand. So there's something about repetition that facilitates the ability to recall information swiftly and accurately. So thank you for uh, being patient with me. I do that to facilitate our learning. Now, again, what is our timeline? The Great Tribulation begins. It's the wrath of Satan. It lasts for 42 months. That's three and a half years. After the Great Tribulation, Jesus returns. That's the first resurrection, also referred to as the rapture, also referred to as the marriage of the Lamb. After the first resurrection, the people of God are with Jesus Christ. We are not on this present earth. We rise to meet him in the clouds. Then it appears we spend some time in heaven How much time? I don't know, and it it appears that that is the case, but continue. What do we know uh, for certain as reported in the book of Revelation? We are not on the earth. After we meet Jesus Christ in the clouds, the plagues come onto the earth, and we are not on this earth at that time. They're the seven final plagues. The purpose of the plagues is to punish those who are Team Satan, and the leadership of Team Satan, and to prepare for the Battle of Armageddon, the war to end all wars. Now, we're about to go to the seventh and final plague. So the purpose of the seven last plagues is to prepare for the Battle of Armageddon. At the end of these documentaries, we get a sneak peek often of some of the events in future documentaries. So this is documentary number seven. The Battle of Armageddon documentary is documentary number nine. Now, what's in number eight? Before before the Battle of Armageddon is fought and won, and by the way, as mentioned earlier, at the Battle of Armageddon, the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to be captured and destroyed. Before the Battle of Armageddon, there's another issue that Jesus addresses. That's the issue of the harlot church, the one world religion, the great prostitute. So the final pope is the false prophet. And he will be dealt with at the Battle of Armageddon along with his partner, the Antichrist. The Antichrist and the final pope will work together in tandem during the Great Tribulation, and they will be destroyed together at the Battle of Armageddon. But there's the issue of the harlot church in its entirety. So its headquarters 
from which all of the inappropriate, evil actions that result in the slaying of God's people during the Great Tribulation and the deceiving of millions and millions of people on this earth That location, that location is so defiled that God chooses to destroy that entire city. So purple and scarlet prophecy is about the destruction of the city that houses the headquarters for the harlot church and the destruction of the harlot church uh, by extension as well. Now, when we hear the seventh and final plague poured out, it's preparation for the Battle of Armageddon. So before Jesus is going to fight and win the Battle of Armageddon, before he takes out the Antichrist and the false prophet, he's going to take out the headquarters for the harlot church. Now, the headquarters is a location. It's a city. It's referred to as the great city of Babylon. Now let's hear this seventh and final plague. Revelation chapter 16 verse 17 says, Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple saying, It is finished. Then the thunder crashed and rolled, and lightning flashed, and a great earthquake struck the worst since people were placed on the earth. So this earthquake is the result of the seventh final plague being released. Then it says in verse 19, the great city of Babylon, that's talking about Rome, the great city of Babylon split into three sections and the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. So the earthquake is so great. Who knows what it is on the Richter scale? It might be a 10. 10 is the highest, uh, I believe, that uh, the number can be on the Richter scale. Six is a crisis. Uh, You know, it, it goes up exponentially, these numbers, on the Richter scale. It says, the great city of Babylon split into three sections, and the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. So God remembered all of Babylon's sins, and he made her drink the cup that was filled with the wine of his fierce wrath. And every island disappeared, and all the mountains were leveled. Um, Let's talk about that for a second. So you might say... uh, let me pause there for a second. Um, okay. Then it says, there was a terrible hailstorm, and hailstones weighing as much as 75 pounds fell from the sky onto the people below. They cursed God because of the terrible plague of the hailstorm. Now, again, they're cursing God If they believe that the Antichrist is God, why aren't they cursing the Antichrist? Why are they cursing God yet again if the Antichrist is God? Because at this point, they know that they have been deceived. They know that the Antichrist cannot save them. They know that the Antichrist is not God because when, even though they have taken the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast did not protect them from the cancer that has emerged, the malignant sores that have emerged on their bodies, the pain that they experienced as a result of the sun scorching their skin. The mark of the beast did not allow them to rise up into the air the way that those who are team Jesus have risen into the air at the first resurrection so they have seen all these things so they're no longer under the delusion that the antichrist is god yet they continue to follow him 
They continue to follow them. They continue to have hardness of heart. They have that beast DNA. They are in line, but it says they cursed God because of the terrible plague of the hailstorm. They know that the hailstorm is coming from God the Father and not the pseudo-God that they have aligned themselves with, the Antichrist. Now, the seven final plagues, where is it in the timeline of the second coming? It is immediately before the Battle of Armageddon. So the Battle of Armageddon is the war to end all wars. Jesus Christ comes to the earth with all of his holy ones, and he doesn't come to Washington, D.C., or New York, or L.A., or Beijing. He doesn't come to Vancouver. He comes to Jerusalem. Why? He's coming to fight and win the Battle of Armageddon. He's coming to liberate all of the biological Jews who have refused. They have refused to leave Jerusalem because they believed that that land was promised to their forefather Abraham and that their Messiah is going to return. They believe that. They believe that. And 100%, 100% of the Jews who are in Israel believing for their Messiah to return after the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, all Israel will be saved 100% of those Jews that remain there. So a large number will lose their lives. It's described in Zechariah. A large number will suffer incredible tragedy, unfortunately, but for those who do not give up and who make it and who remained, we hear in... We hear in the Bible, after the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. In other words, after the last person whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life who is a Gentile, after that last person is saved right before the first resurrection, and then when that first resurrection happens, that's the fullness of the Gentiles. In other words, all of the Gentiles who are going to become members of the royal race after that happens, all Israel is saved. How are they saved? They are saved because Jesus Christ returns. What does he return to do? He returns to fight and win the battle of Armageddon. That's when all Israel is saved, when Jesus returns to fight and win the battle of our. Magadan. So when this seventh and final plague is poured out, it's time for the Battle of Armageddon. So this is documentary number seven. You might say, if it's time to fight and win the Battle of Armageddon, and the Battle of Armageddon documentary is documentary number nine, what's in documentary number eight? Documentary number eight is a full documentary on how the headquarters for the Harlot Church is going to be taken out. So in other words, how is Rome going to be destroyed? The headquarters for the Harlot Church, the one world religion that will uh, dominate, dominate the lives of billions of people on this earth, that's important to God. It matters to God that people worship instead of the creator who has created them. They give their affection to another lover. Instead of God being their first love, they make Satan their first love. So the great prostitute is the false religion, the one world religion led by the false prophet, the final pope. 
friend and truth seeker, decide who your first love is. Is your first love Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross for you so that he could experience death, which would count towards the death that you and I deserve, and therefore you can go free and have eternal life? What does that mean? You can actually get a new body, a perfect body, that will never, ever be touched by the curse a body free of the curse, a body that allows you to live on this present earth and the new earth to come. Is your first love for God, God the Father who currently resides in heaven, and his son Jesus Christ, God manifests? in the flesh, and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that comes to dwell on the inside of you when you get saved. That's the evidence that you have been tagged for eternal life, that you are scheduled to participate in the first resurrection. When the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you, you have that forever. So you are forever marked as his. Is your first love for God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit? Or is your first love football? Or maybe it's Taylor Swift. Or maybe it's a Ph.D. or an M.D. or a PharmD or a J.D. or a B.S. Maybe... Your first love is the gym. Maybe it's Buddha or Allah or Krishna. The Bible says that anyone who gives his affections or her affections to another God, other than God the Father and Jesus Christ, is committing adultery with a prostitute. You don't want to lie with a prostitute. You don't want to lie with a prostitute. You don't want to partake of her sins. Now listen, I'm not talking about a literal person, you know. Now, a prostitute could be a man or a woman, so this is not about uh, gender identity or anything like that. This is about the reality that God is watching. He wants your affection and your attention. It makes him jealous when you credit another God with what he has done for you. He has given you life. The trees did not create your soul. Some people worship nature. That's their first love. Some people worship the dead. They worship their ancestors and they make shrines to them. Some people worship animals. There's only one true God, and he sits on the throne in present heaven, and he gave himself a physical body. So in that way, he is both the son of God and the son of man, and he died on the cross so that you could be free of the curse, so that you and I could be restored to sonship and daughtership, so we can be in right standing with him so that when he when he puts this earth through a holy fire and all the elements are destroyed and the earth is destroyed and the new earth emerges, an earth that's free of the curse, where nothing dies, where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more grief, no more death, so that when the new earth emerges, you have a place on it, and it's a permanent place. 
You're not going to be there for 10 years, 15 years, 88 years, 105 years. You're going to be there forever and ever, but you got to be there. How can you be there? Your name must be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the evidence that you are in right standing with God, that you've been to mediation. If you have any other love that's a first love other than Jesus Christ, God has a case against you. And it says in 1 Timothy that Jesus Christ is the only mediator between man and God. So we have all sinned. We have all sinned. In other words, We've committed actions that are wrong in the sight of God. Now, some have sinned more than others, but we've got to put on God's way of thinking. In God's math, the penalty for five sins is the same as the penalty for five million sins. Think about that. Think about that. You might say, surely you wouldn't put me in the same category as a Hitler or as a Osama bin Laden, or as a, we could keep going on like that, whoever you think the most heinous person in history is, I might not put you in the same category as that person, but God might. In God's mouth, all who have sinned, so any number of sins which appears in a book of heaven disqualifies a person from having his or her name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So in your book, all your sin debt has to be paid for. And the only way those sins can be blotted out, this is all Bible, the only way that it can be blotted out, that debt paid for. So again, whether you have five sins or five million, you might say, well, I don't have five million sins, but I think I have maybe 2,500. That's not too many for the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ can pay for all of your sin debt. Let's say let's say you were in the military and in the context of your work you assassinated people, maybe dozens or hundreds or thousands. You might say it's no way possible God would want me. That's a lie from the pits of hell. God wants you. He wants you to be a member of his forever family. He loves you. He's thinking about you. He has plans and purposes for your life. You're his first love. Is he yours? Is he yours? Are you worshiping him? Are you thinking about him? Do you want to be with him? on the new earth to come? Or are you worshiping a video game or worshiping a celebrity or a a false god or nature or music? Some people worship music or they worship food. You need to decide who your first love is. Friend and truth seeker, I'm going to encourage you to make sure that you're picking the right one. The right one is Jesus Christ because he is the son of God and the son of man, and he wants you to be a part of the first resurrection. He wants you to be in a perfect body that will allow you to live on this present earth after he returns and on the new earth to come. If you're interested in that, would you type into the Internet, Acts, 2 colon 38, so Acts is the name of a book. It's a book in the Bible. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, has all the steps that you need to follow so that your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life and so that you will participate in the first resurrection. I want to thank you for being with me and with us today. I hope that this has been an interesting and exciting talk. We're going to continue our discussion and analysis of the seven final plagues on Thursday at 7 p.m. Texas time. That's 8 p.m. Eastern time. So we're on this year, 2023, Thursday night.
Thursday night. So on PGN, every Thursday, we're going to be on, and we've been on, at 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and, of course, always on on Sundays at 12 noon Texas Time. Thank you for being with me and with us. I look forward to continued discussion and analysis on the Book of Revelation next time. If you haven't done so yet, friend and truth seeker, I encourage you, call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know. Until next time, friend. God bless you.